1: Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, October 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour.
2: Stocks drop on concerns strong inflation and hawkish monetary policy will further hit growth.
1: We hear from two more Fed officials about the path of rate hikes.
2: Tesla shares fall
3: as sales estimates.
1: And we take you to London, where Liz Truss's government looks close to imploding.
3: Justice Department prosecutors believe they have enough evidence. To charge Donald Trump, plus doctors are concerned about children and are as... Speed. I'm Michael Barr. More
4: ahead. I'm John Stash. in sports. The Yankees lost game one of the ALCS in Houston. The Knicks and Nets both lost their season opener.
5: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, SiriusXM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App.
2: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager,
1: and I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 19 points. Dow futures down 44. Nasdaq futures down 97. The DAX in Germany is down eight tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down six thirty seconds. Yield 4.15 percent. The yield on the two-year 4.59 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.6 percent of a dollar 36 at 86. Ninety-one cents a barrel. Comex gold little changed at sixteen thirty-four twenty an ounce, and the euro point nine seven eight two against the dollar. Nathan,
2: Karen, this morning's drop in futures comes after stocks snapped a two-day winning streak on Wall Street. Treasury yields are trading near multi-year highs on mounting concern a hawkish Fed will raise the odds of a hard landing. Market veteran Dennis Gardman says don't expect the Fed to change course anytime soon.
6: So once the Fed begins to change its policies, it moves rates farther and lasts longer than anybody ever wants to anticipate. Yep. When, they, when they ease monetary policy, they take rates lower than anybody believes for a longer period of time. When they tighten, they take rates higher for a longer period of time than anybody wants to anticipate. I think it's going to be at least until late in 2023, maybe 2024, before yeah. the
2: long-awaited pivot occurs. Dennis Gardman, the former publisher of the Gardman Letter, thinks stocks will remain in a bear market for some time.
1: Well Nathan it'll be another busy day for feds speak with four different officials talking at separate events. Yesterday Chicago Fed President Charles Evans said he's hopeful the current path for interest rates will be enough to bring down inflation.
6: Wages are going up and that's not that's not a bad thing, but if it gets caught up in cost price um, you know spiral that that would be bad and so making sure that we've got monetary policy at a sufficiently restrictive stance so that we're not inducing inflation. We're trying to get it down.
1: Chicago Fed President Charles Evans and his colleagues have aggressively raised benchmark interest rates this year from nearly zero to just above 3 percent.
2: And expect another big rate increase at next month's meeting. Karen, we spoke about the move with Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard.
6: The uh, November meeting has been more or less priced in the markets uh, at at the 75 basis point number. Um, Again, you know, I think you do want to wait till you actually get to the meeting, see what the situation is there. Uh, The December meeting is a little farther away. We will have more data at that point.
2: St. Louis Fed President James Bullard made the comments in an exclusive interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. Hear more of the conversation coming up later in the program.
1: Well, let's turn to earnings now, Nathan. We get results from nearly two dozen companies in the S&P 500 today. Disappointing numbers from Tesla after the bell has shares down 6% this morning. Sales fell short of estimates, and that's being blamed on delivery and production bottlenecks. Still, CEO Elon Musk says demand for his company's cars remains strong.
7: We're looking forward to a record-breaking q 4 So it really, you know,
6: knock on wood, it looks like we'll have an epic end of year.
1: And Elon Musk says Tesla could repurchase 5 to $10 billion of its shares, subject to board approval and review. The stock has lost more than a third of its value so far this year.
2: Uh, it is a different story at IBM this morning, Karen. The company reported better than expected sales and c- affirmed its cash flow forecast. Analysts say that's a sign. Demand for software, mainframe computers, and hybrid cloud services remains steady.
1: Well in Asia overnight Nathan stocks fell, became off their lowest levels. That's after Bloomberg News reported China is considering relaxing quarantine rules. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliette Sally in Singapore. Good morning Juliette. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The offshore yuan gained from record lows against the greenback on the news, while China's CSI 300 erased earlier losses. Chinese tech talks in Hong Kong also paired earlier steep losses on news. China is holding emergency talks with chip firms after US curbs. The Aussie dollar declined as hiring down under almost stalled in September, and Japan's benchmark bond yield climbed above the central bank's policy ceiling, prompting monetary authorities to announce an unscheduled bond purchase to rein it back in. In Singapore, Julia at Sally Bloomberg Daybreak,
2: Juliet. Thanks. In Europe this morning, it's all about politics. UK Prime Minister Liz Truss's government could be on the brink of collapse.
8: Let's go to London. It's latest live with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. It has been a chaotic 24 hours at Westminster. One of the most senior members of the British government has been fired. As she went, she criticised the prime minister and accused Liz Truss of breaking key pledges. Later, dramatic scenes in Parliament with reports of lawmakers manhandled into voting with the government. Just weeks after she took over, many members of her own Conservative Party are openly saying they want Liz Truss to go. Who would replace her is another question. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Ewan, thank you. Now to the latest in the war in Ukraine. President Vladimir Zelensky is now urging people to use as little electricity as possible. He says Russia has destroyed much of the country's power infrastructure with Iranian-made explosive drones. Ukraine is assembling its own army of drones to monitor the front lines. It's enlisted actor Mark Hamill to help bring it together through Ukraine's United24 fundraising arm. The Star Wars actor tells Bloomberg President Zelensky asked him to join the effort.
4: Very simply... Ukraine needs drones. And, you know, they they define war outcomes. They are—they
2: uh, protect their land, their people. Their, they monitor the border. They're their
4: eyes in the sky.
1: Mark Hamill spoke with our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. And
2: the p futures right now are down 17 points. Dow futures down 24. NASDAQ futures are lower by 92 points. Ten-year treasury's down 5.30 seconds. The yield 4.15% yield on the two-year, 4.58. And NYMEX crude right now is up 1.6% at $86.91 a barrel. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 507 on Wall Street. We're at 45 degrees in Central Park. Got an overturned vehicle on the westbound LIE. It's by Utopia Parkway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr's here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael.
3: Good morning, Nathan. A group of Justice Department prosecutors believe there is sufficient evidence to charge Donald Trump with obstruction of justice. Bloomberg sources say they are building other cases as well. Sources say they believe all charges should be complete by the end of the year. Former President Trump has finished his deposition in a case brought by a woman who claims he sexually assaulted her and then defamed her online, saying she was a liar. Trump has claimed the entire defamation lawsuit should be dismissed because he was president and was immune to charges. In New York, Trump once again said E. Jean Carroll was lying and, quote, not his type. Former Vice President Mike Pence said he would not necessarily vote for Donald Trump if he runs for president in 2024. Pence has been visiting early voting states, fueling speculation he might run for president. At an appearance at Georgetown University, a student asked Pence if he would vote for his former running mate in the next presidential election.
2: If Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president in 2024, will you vote
9: for him?
8: (laughs) Well, there might be somebody else I'd prefer more.
5: The
3: former vice president predicted Republican wins in the midterm elections but took veiled jabs at candidates who run on opposition to Democrats without offering policy alternatives. Hospitals in at least 26 states and the District of Columbia say they are struggling with a surge in pediatric respiratory illnesses like RSV, flu, and the common cold. The early wave of infections is raising alarm bells for children's health care teams as flu season approaches. Connecticut Children's Hospital Physician-in-Chief Dr. Juan Salazar says two years of pandemic measures may have left kids' immune systems unprepared for the unusual respiratory viruses.
7: Which has dramatically altered the normal epidemiology of this virus, RSV specifically, and the other viruses, rhinovirus, adenovirus, and the enterovirus, which have been Were more severe than they normally are.
3: Doctor Salazar says the timing is off. Generally, this is something seen in late winter, early spring. Global News, twenty four hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than twenty seven hundred journalists and analysts, more than one hundred twenty countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 5'10 on Wall Street Time for the
2: Bloomberg Sports Update. Brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashower.
4: Thanks, Nathan. The ALCS. Underway in Houston. Good start for the Yankees. Second inning home run for Harrison Bader continues to provide surprising power. His fourth homer of the postseason. Astros tied it up, and game one was 1 1. Sixth inning. 0 oh, 2. And Guriel pranks it to left. Stanton is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. And a Landry's Crawford boxes for Yuli Gurriel. And the Astros lead it 2-1. to
8: Payoff pitch to McCormick. And
4: Taz drives it pretty deep to right center. Judge is going back at the wall. Looking up. Kiss it goodbye. Taz McCormick goes deep. And the Astros go up. Three to one. On KBME, both home runs hit off Clark Schmidt. And inning later, Jeremy Pena homered off Frankie Montas. The Astros won 4-2. Remained unbeaten in the postseason. 39-year-old Justin Verlander gave up that Bader home run, with only two other hits. He struck out 11. Game 2 tonight, Luis Severino on the mound for the Yanks. The San Diego, the Phillies, having won the NLCS opener 2-0, led 4-0. But the Padres came back to win 8-5 five-run fifth inning. Juan Soto had a big hit, and so did Padres catcher Austin Nola. He was facing his brother. Knicks and Nets both lost their openers in different fashion. Tight game in Memphis after the Knicks rallied from 19 down, but the Grizzlies pulled it out in overtime, 115-112. John Morant, 34 points. Julius Randle led the Knicks with 24. Rough opener for R.J. Barrett. He shot 3 of 18. In Brooklyn, all Pelicans. Their star Zion Williamson back after missing last season. He scored 25. New Orleans won 130-108. to Kevin Durant led the Nets with 32. Kyrie Irving shot 6 of 19. John Stash, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan.
2: John, thank you. S&P futures down 16 points now. Dow futures down 18. NASDAQ futures lower by 88 points. Tesla shares down 5.5% in the pre-market on disappointing third quarter sales. We'll talk about the numbers next with Dan Ives, Senior Equity Research Analyst at Wedbush Securities. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks and U.S. stock index futures are falling amid rising bond yields, with investors concerned that strong inflation and hawkish monetary policy will further slow the global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down about 15 points. Dow futures down 12. Nasdaq futures down 81. The DAX in Germany is down six tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 2.30 seconds. Yield 4.14 percent. Yield on the two-year 4.58 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.6 percent, of a dollar 36 at 86.91 dollars 91 a barrel. COMEX gold up two tenths percent, or three dollars 70 cents, at 16.3790 an ounce. The euro 0.9784 against the dollar. British pound. and the yen 149.86 and bitcoin is down a third of a percent at $19,100 that's a bloomberg business flash now here's michael barr with more on what's going on around the world michael good morning
3: good morning karen russia has declared its intention to increase its targeting of ukraine's power water and other vital infrastructure in its latest phase of the nearly eight-month-old war Ukrainian president Volodymyr Zelensky says that Moscow's forces have destroyed 30% of the country's power stations since October 10th. At least one person is dead after a 60-car crash in thick fog on Interstate 5 in Lynn County, Oregon. Big rigs and cars were unable to see stopped traffic in front of them. In baseball, the Yankees lost game one of the ALCS against the Astros 4-2. In the NLCS, the Padres even the series at a game apiece after beating the Phillies 8-5. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? Thanks, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg
2: Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We continue to watch shares of Tesla this morning dropping about 5.5% in the pre-market. Elon Musk's electric car maker came in with sales at... uh, came in short of Wall Street estimates. Let's get more on the earnings now. Dan Ives joins us, senior analyst at Wedbush Securities. Dan, it's great to speak with you, and I know you've been bullish on this company and the EV sector more broadly for a long time here. Does this quarter shake your confidence?
7: Yeah,
10: look, it's been a Cinderella story for Tesla the last three years, and they're hitting a rough patch, and I think that's what you saw last night in terms of earnings. Now, I believe it's more logistics and demand-driven, but for Musk, it's a moment of truth to get Tesla through this rough patch, and that's what the street's going to be digesting.
2: Now, what's Musk need to do to get through the rough patch? I mean, he's been talking about issues with uh, supply chain bottlenecks, delivery difficulties for, for quite some time here, not even just before this earnings uh, period.
10: Yeah, and Tesla's seeing what other automakers are around the world in terms of logistics issues, some battery problem from a component perspective. But, but the issue here is the bears are going to say this is demand-driven, and that's an excuse. And and that's now this is going to be a critical three to six months for Tesla to show they could get their sea legs back and start to hit that 50% growth target, which looks like they're going to come under that in Q4 and for the year. And that's why you're going to see the negative knee-jerk reaction today.
2: How much of a headwind is China? He called out China specifically, saying they're in a recession of sorts in the property sector. But there's still a, an ongoing risk, isn't there, that uh, the potentiality for shutdowns from COVID could affect the Shanghai factory?
10: Yeah, it's a great question. Well, China, it's the hearts and lungs of the Tesla store. That, that's key to the bull thesis. And that's where they're hitting some of the issues, logistics and even around the edges on demand. So it's it's really an arms race going on in China with domestic players as well as Tesla. And that's why, look, this is all happening as Musk is juggling all these different balls with Twitter, of course, front and center. And I think you're starting to see a little bloom come off the rose in terms of the way the street views Musk and the Tesla story. I would now just a critical juncture.
2: Yeah, juggling some balls is a good way to put it. I did want to ask you about the the Twitter saga, whether that may have been more of a distraction than even Musk might have let on, even with all the tweeting he was doing during that uh, buyout drama.
10: Well, I think that's part of the problem. You don't want to see Musk focus shifting. And the last thing you want to see is the Twitter situation instead of him just actually focused on Tesla. And then the bigger... Elephant in the room continues to be must sell more Tesla stock to potentially fund the Twitter deal with some financing looking like it could fall apart. That is the perfect storm combined with what we saw with the soft delivery number.
8: What
2: about other products, Cybertruck, for example? It's been uh, so long since it was introduced, and we still haven't seen actual Cybertrucks in the uh, the showrooms. Is that a problem?
10: It is a it's a boy that cried wolf problem and especially at a time you need that to hit in two thousand twenty three with GM, Rivian, Ford and others coming up and going after EV pickup trucks. And that's why Musk you know, ultimately talks cheap, need to execute, and I think you're starting to see patience wear thin on some of the Musk antics. Cyber truck needs to hit over the next year, otherwise they're gonna lose
2: share. Got about a minute left here, Dan. We got a lot of tech earnings to get to next week with uh, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, a few others reporting. What are you looking at?
10: I think it's the most important tech earnings season potentially in the last two years because of what's happened the overall demand store in terms of the macro. Tech needs to prove that it could sh- the resilience is there. Enterprise spend, Microsoft that's going to be key in terms of cloud as well as with Amazon. And then probably the most important name for earnings season across the board, not just tech, is Apple. What's the consumer spending on? Is the iPhone 14 product cycle happening? Look, I think Barks worse than the bite in terms of tech. I view it next week as more as a positive catalyst rather than something to fear.
2: In just 10 seconds, are you sticking with the Outperform on Tesla?
10: Sticking with Outperform remains one of the most disruptive technology companies out there. But it wasn't rainbows and roses, and I think that's why you're going to see the stock down. I think they get through the rough patch.
2: And right now the stock is down nearly 6% in the pre-market. Dan Ives, Wedbush Securities, always great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us this morning on Bloomberg Daybreak. Looking ahead to the market open, uh, NASDAQ futures are leading the declines. Tesla's pretty heavy there. NASDAQ futures down 91 points right now. Dow futures down 28. S&P futures are lower. By 17 points, and the 10-year Treasury is down 4.30 seconds for a yield of 4.15 percent. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 11:30 weather: sunny, breezy, upper 50s today. Low 60s, sunny tomorrow. We'll be in the upper 60s by Saturday. Showers develop on Sunday. Right now, 45 in Central Park.
1: It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow.
2: I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to seic.com slash managers.
1: And we are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are lower, adding to yesterday's losses when stocks snapping at a two day, when stocks snapped rather, a two day winning streak. Concerns continue to swirl about hawkish Fed policy and how it will impact growth. Silvercrest head of investment policy, Robert Teeter, says timing will be everything.
2: The timeline question, I think, is in focus here, and it's a matter of do we get inflation under control? Do we get the Fed pausing before you start to see some of that pass through, whether it's lagged effects or otherwise, onto the consumer and onto earnings? And so that's really the race that's in place right now is which happens first, a break in inflation or a break in the economy?
1: Robert Teeter with Silvercrest Asset Management says if consumer spending stays strong, it will help the Fed bring down inflation.
2: Well, today will be another busy one for Fed speakers, Karen. Four different officials appear at separate events today. Yesterday, our Kathleen Hayes sat down with St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, who indicated there is still no clear timeline for a Fed pivot.
6: We started off at a very low level. That's why we've moved so fast, mm-hmm. uh, so far, so quickly. But uh, at some point, we'll get to a level that the committee judges will be sufficient to put meaningful downward pressure on inflation. Then we'll be able to adjust from there.
2: And we'll bring you more of our conversation with St. Louis Fed President James Bullard later in the program. Meantime, the Fed gets another key data point this morning with weekly jobless claims due out at 830 a.m. Wall Street time.
1: Well, let's turn to earnings now, Nathan. Nearly two dozen companies in the S&P 500 are poor today. Meantime, shares of Tesla, they're down 5.5% after sales came in short of estimates. Still, CEO Elon Musk says demand remains strong despite bottlenecks.
6: There weren't enough boats. There weren't enough trains. There weren't enough car carriers to actually support the wave. Tesla got
2: too big.
1: And CEO Elon Musk says Tesla could repurchase up to $10 billion of its shares subject to board approval and review. Well,
2: it's a different story at IBM this morning, Karen. That stock is up 3% after reporting better-than-expected sales and affirming its cash flow forecast.
1: And over in Europe today, Nathan, it's all about politics. U.K. Prime Minister Liz Truss's government could be on the brink of collapse. Truss fired one minister over a security breach and two others were heard resigning before reserving that decision. There are growing calls from her party for Truss to resign immediately. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg.
2: Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 45 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash westbound. Jackie Robinson Parkway at Union Turnpike.
3: More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A group of Justice Department prosecutors believe there is sufficient evidence to charge Donald Trump with obstruction of justice. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story.
5: Prosecutors and FBI involved in the investigations for the Department of Justice feel there is now enough evidence to move forward with a case for obstruction. Bloomberg sources say they are building other cases, though, as well, but are looking at all the angles before moving forward on them. The sources say they feel all charges should be complete by the end of the year, and if nothing else... They can proceed with obstruction. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
3: President Biden is back campaigning again today, this time in Pennsylvania, where one race could decide which party controls the U.S. Senate next year. The president heading back to Pittsburgh to highlight his infrastructure plan. That helped fix a bridge that collapsed there last winter. Democratic Senate candidate John Fetterman will join him. In addition to the flu and COVID, there's another illness kids should be mindful of. It's called RSV. It causes runny noses, decrease in appetite, coughing, sneezing, fever, and wheezing. Yale Health Pediatric Infectious Diseases Specialist Dr. Thomas Murray says COVID has weakened kids' immune systems, not because of the virus itself, but because kids have been isolated for so long.
9: I think their immune system just hasn't seen the number of viruses a typical child prior to the pandemic would have seen. And therefore, when you have five or six different viruses, you can become sick with one right after the other.
3: Dr. Murray says RSV is straining the hospital system. The U.S. has raised concerns with Saudi Arabia about an American citizen whom the kingdom sentenced to 16 years in prison for posting tweets critical of the Saudi government. Saad Ibrahim al was taken into custody last November when traveling to Riyadh to visit his family. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael.
2: 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stash
4: Nathan, the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series for the sixth year in a row. That includes two ALCS wins over the Yankees. Astros made it to the World Series last year without the injured Justin Verlander. Now he's back at age 39, had a brilliant regular season. And in game one in Houston, Verlander went six innings, allowed just three hits, struck out 11 at 1.6 in a row. The Astros hit three solo home runs off the Yankee bullpen. They beat the Yanks in game one, four to two. After Verlander left, the Houston bullpen added six more strikeouts. So. 17 for the game. Aaron Judge, well aware of how good the Astros' pitching
5: is. You got a great staff over there, you know, top to bottom. Um, you know, they got great arms out of the pen, you know, that can are effective on both sides of the plate, you know, righties and lefties, and, you know, good starting pitchers that can work, you know, not only one or two pitches, but, you know, mix in, you know, three or four pitches. So it's, uh, it's a tough matchup. But that's, you know, you want to play against the best, you want to compete against the best. So that's what we got in front of us.
4: Judge made a terrific catch in right field, saving a couple of runs for the Yanks squandered some early score chances. Also had the tying run on in the eighth. Matt Carpenter and Josh Donaldson had rough nights. They combined to strike out seven times. Game two is tonight. NLCS tied a one. Padres came from four nothing down, beat the Phillies eight to five. The Knicks opened the season in Memphis, trailed by 19, came back a Cam Reddish three pointer, set the game to overtime. Reddish had his best game as a Knicks with 22 points off the bench. With the Grizzlies won 115 to 112. John Moran scored 34, except their home opener tomorrow. At Barkley's, all Pelicans blew out the Nets 130 to 108. Rangers tonight host San Jose. John Stashell, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John.
2: 537
4: on Wall Street. Time for
9: the trice. State Business Report with Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Some tough times for local home builders. New Jersey based Hubnanian is cutting its earnings outlook. The Red Bank home builder is citing inflation, mortgage rates, supply chain issues, and Hurricane Ian. You know how WeWork's business model absolutely imploded? Well now there is new evidence that flexible office space in New York City is making a comeback. The instant group tells biz journals increase are increasing, and the biggest interest is from small companies with three to nine desks. Some good news for Connecticut work from homers. Comcast is expanding faster Internet service. That's as rival Frontier rolls out its fiber optic cable. New York pet food maker Bark expanding, adding French Bulldog, Boxer, German Shepherd, and Golden Retriever to its lineup of breed-specific products. And a new business is opening. Marquis Caviar has just launched its new location in Grand Central at the market there near Murray's Cheese and Zabar's. With the China State Business Report, I'm Denise Pellegrini.
2: All right, Denise, thank you. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world.
9: I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Trucking giant Knight Swift is warning of a rapid slowdown in the freight market.
4: I'm Steve Potosk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about the shrinking amount of cargo going through the port of L.A.
9: I'm Denise Pellegrini on WWJ in Detroit. GM is considering a midsize Hummer. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Fewer Americans are planning winter vacations due to inflation. I'm Caroline Hepburn, Bluebag DAB, Digital Radio in- London, we've been reporting on the pressure on the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, after more resignations and chaotic scenes in Parliament.
2: And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world.
9: It's
8: 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. With its ground war in Ukraine faltering, Russia has intensified its use of unmanned drones to attack Ukraine's critical infrastructure and signaled a willingness to conduct similar strikes against the West. Last week, Russian President Vladimir Putin suggested that any critically important object of transport, energy, or utilities infrastructure, regardless of location, could be fair game. In the face of such threats, U.S. and European leaders should ramp up efforts to protect critical infrastructure and make clear that any deliberate acts of sabotage will bring an equally punishing response. Russia's threats against critical infrastructure represent a dangerous escalation. Swift and coordinated action to strengthen the West's defenses is the best response. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-G-O on the Bloomberg Terminal.
5: This has been Bloomberg Opinion.
2: And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures are down 11 points. Dow futures are in the green now, just barely up four points. NASDAQ futures still in the red, down 67 points. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: European stocks are lower. U.S. stock index futures are as well, but trimming their declines just a bit. This coming amid amid rising bond yields, with investors concerned that strong inflation and hawkish monetary policy will further slow the global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures now down about nine points. Dow futures are a little changed, and NASDAQ futures are down 59. That's down about half percent still. DAX in Germany is down six-tenths of a percent. Now looking at the 10 year treasury, it is little changed now. The yield 4.13%. The yield on the two year 4.57%. Nymex crude oil is up about 2% of $1.69 at $87.24 a barrel. Comex gold is up 3 tenths percent or $5 at 16 dollars an ounce. The euro 0.9784 against the dollar. British pound 1.1208. The yen 149.83. And Bitcoin is down about 2 tenths percent at $19,150. That's a balloon. Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world.
3: Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Starting today, Russian President Putin has declared martial law in the four border regions of Ukraine that Russia illegally annexed, giving authorities there more power to crack down on the population. This as Ukraine braces today for four-hour blackouts in response to recent Russian missile and drone attacks on the country's power infrastructure. This truss’s UK. Premiership is on the brink of collapse story MPs openly said she should go. A tumultuous day in Parliament yesterday saw Trust Fire, a senior minister. In baseball, the Yankees lost game one of the ALCS against the Astros 4-2. In the NLCS, the Padres even the series at a game apiece after beating the Phillies 8-5. In the NBA, the Knicks lost their opener against the Grizzlies in overtime 115-112. The Nets lost, the Wizards won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg. Quick take powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan.
2: Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Daniel Morris is with us now, chief market strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Daniel, it's great to speak with you this morning. Uh, we're coming off two straight days of gains to start the week. We gave some of that back yesterday. This morning, Things are looking kind of choppy. What's the trajectory for this market for you? (laughs)
6: Well, I guess I think it comes down to your horizon. The fact that we've had a bit of a rally coming into the earnings season doesn't surprise us. If you think that sentiment has just been so negative, you look at bulls bears, ratios, put-call ratios, you know, no one likes equities. uh, But that means if you get a bit of good news in that environment, you can get a balance. And we were anticipating with the earnings season on balance that it was going to come out to be just fine, uh, given that earnings expectations had already been lowered a lot, that left room for positive earnings surprises. It'll come down to what kind of guidance we get on the outlook. But given that growth right now in the U.S. is still pretty solid, it seems unlikely that that CEOs are going to be really pessimistic. So we think that that impetus in the near term is probably still there. But when you think about what the Fed is doing, you know, eventually those interest rate hikes are going to tell. That's the point. Uh, But we think it's not quite yet that it's really going to hit equities again.
2: Now, we've heard from uh, more Fed speakers uh, just in the last day sort of signaling that uh, they at least hope that the interest rate hikes and the projections they put forward are going to do something to tamp inflation down. What does that tell you about what the Fed rate hike path could look like uh, into next year?
6: Well, it really is going to depend how inflation evolves. And I think all of us have learned to be quite humble when it comes to predicting the path of inflation. So won't hazard too much about where it might go. But I think depending on which direction it takes, if we do see a peak uh, and it starts to go down, that would give the Fed an opening to perhaps pause or pivot sooner than they said that they will, if on the other hand, it stays high. And there's certainly reasons for things that could be the case, given the pressure we've had in in shelter inflation what we're seeing now in services, you know, the feds, you know currently says they're going to keep rates uh, kind of rising and high until the end of end of next year. So it's whether that happens or they can pivot sooner, it just is a bit of
2: wait and see. What does that wait and see mean for stocks in the medium term? Uh, I mean, rates are elevated right now. That puts pressure on stocks anyway, doesn't it?
6: Well, I think you've seen a change in the dynamic of what's driving stocks. So up to now, I guess for most of this year, it's been the fact that interest rates have gone up dramatically dramatically. That's driven most of the decline we've had in equity so far. You know, your interest rates are going up, real rates are going up, discount rate going up. Uh, so that reduces the, the, the multiple, particularly for growth stocks, and that's that's been the key driver. We think that process is more or less over. We don't think rate expectations need to go up much more from here. We're already quite high, nearly 5%. Uh, but the next leg, the next shoe if you will, that has to drop is going to be the impact of that increase in interest rates on growth, economic growth, and ultimately corporate earnings. And again, we have haven't seen that yet, but at some point it's got to come. And I think that's going to be the vulnerability for the market when we start pricing in a decline in earnings instead of an increase in earnings. This is what you have now with consensus estimates.
2: With the vulnerabilities out there, Daniel, where do you look for opportunity? Are there certain sectors or styles in the market that are less insulated from a tighter monetary policy?
6: Well, ultimately, if we're moving into a recession, of course, you want to be defensively positioned anyway. But I think one thing that perhaps is, is in the process of changing. I mean, for most of this year, it's been clear that a performance of growth stocks versus value because of that increase in interest rates and the impact on the multiple. If we're right that rates have more or less topped out, uh, that pressure should, should lag as you get closer to a recession growth. Becomes that much more important. So that should increase the interest in growth as a style. And then particularly, uh, at some point the Fed will pivot interest rates, uh, will start to fall and that's going to drag on the value sector. Cause you think of financials, uh, lower growth should be bad for commodities, also a big part of value. So we think you're going to see a, a, you know, at some point a rotation and see some outperformance of growth. If that's quite yet, maybe not, but it's something we might anticipate in the months ahead.
2: At some point. All right, Daniel. Thanks, as always. Daniel Morris is Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Karen.
1: Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time now for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. Brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now here's a legal story we're following this morning. After three and a half years of investigating the FBI's investigation into the Trump campaign's alleged Russia connections... Special counsel John Durham has lost the only two cases to go to trial. On Tuesday, a jury found Igor Dechenko, the Russian analyst who was the primary source for the Steele dossier, not guilty of lying to the FBI about where he got his information. The investigation has cost the taxpayers more than $5.8 million, with little to show for it. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Bloomberg legal reporter Eric Larson. So then the remaining four counts were all about... One person and one call?
7: That's correct. It was all about whether or not Mr. Danchenko truly believed that an anonymous phone call that he got in 2016 from a tipster, the one who had the tip about the well-developed conspiracy between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin, whether or not he truly believed that that caller was a guy named Sergey Millian, who was the president of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce at the time. So it was his belief, he said in his FBI interview, that he believed that's who the person was who had called. And the FBI said not only do they believe that it wasn't him who called, but that the call never happened. But they didn't really present enough evidence to prove that.
0: I don't know how you bring a, a federal case
1: over what someone believed at the time. It seems awfully thin. <laughs> We're stretching it.
7: It did seem... um You know, a bit then I have to say the evidence that was presented, it wasn't very hard evidence. It could go sort of either way about whether or not he believed it. So the jury apparently felt the same. I mean, as we know, back in May, the first case from his investigation to go to trial against former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman also ended uh, in acquittal. He was also charged with lying to the FBI about a Trump-Russia tip. So to bring these narrow cases about telling, you know, what amounts to fairly small lies, I guess you could say, <laughs> alleged lies, but that's really what this is focusing on after all of this time and money spent. is is not a terribly good book for the special counsel.
1: How big a defeat is this coming on top of the last acquittal? And, you know, prosecutors don't usually lose cases. It's unusual because if they're bringing a case, they think they have enough evidence to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt.
7: Well, there's, of course, speculation that these trials were really about putting these FBI agents on the stand. Whether or not that's a, you know, proper use of a federal criminal trial, who knows? But that's what certainly a lot of Durham's own supporters and Trump supporters have been saying is, oh, these verdicts, you know, they're beside the point. It doesn't matter. It was exposing these FBI agents, getting details of the investigation out in the open. But, yeah, you're right. Usually the government, you know, comes in a case like this with an upper hand. And usually they also come at it with a lot more evidence. So, you know, we'll see what his final report says. And assuming it'll be pretty damning, mostly about the FBI.
1: And that's Bloomberg legal reporter Eric Larson speaking with Bloomberg student Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at b Go. S&P futures, they're down about 11 points. Dow futures remain little changed. And NASDAQ futures down 65. Ten-year treasury down 236. Seconds, The yield 4.14%. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg.